What's going on, everyone? It's Bales, and welcome back to another episode of AFL Fantasy Head to Head, where we put two players up against one another, see uh, who we'll be picking in our size for 2024. This episode 18 of the series, we're nearing episode 20, which is fantastic. We're almost double the episodes last year, which is fantastic. But if you haven't checked out the other 17 episodes, make sure you go and do that either on the YouTube video or on the podcast, wherever you get your podcasts. And make sure it's a lot like and subscribe and five-star range of reviews and all that good stuff that you guys do appreciate all the support. But we're continuing the theme with the special guests, talking about another cold post game. And joining me is one of the co-founders of the Coaches Panel and uh, just recorded a 50 Bros Relevant video with him. If you haven't checked out that series, make sure you do. I'm sure that you'll have done anyway. But if you haven't, what are you doing? But uh, it is MJ from the Coaches Panel. Mate, how are you? Mate, it's nice to see you. Pleasure to be jumping on this great content series that you've been doing and helping people make those really tough 50-50 decisions. We're getting close to that with opening round and the practice games not too far away. We're getting down to these 50-50 calls and, and a series like this helps us put a couple of guys head to head and helps us kind of land which way we should go. Yeah, exactly right. And by the time this is uh, where this is uploaded, we're sort of right in the thick of. I think it's going to be. The, I think this is actually the uh, believe that the day this because uh, record this about a week or so in advance. But I reckon this is going up actually the day after the first um, match simulations and stuff like that are getting underway. So yeah, it's we're right in the thick of it, and uh, yeah, it's, it's fantastic. I and mean, that's what we love. And we're talking about two defenders uh, today. Both got buys. So it's going to be very interesting to chat about that after sort of we we sort of unpack both these players and sort of just chat about them just um, on their own. But we're talking about Lockie Whitfield and Jaden Short, um, who are both coming in as a little bit underpriced based on what we've seen. Um, and I'm going to remember this time. Uh, I do sometimes forget, but we are going to say the price and ownership. So price for Jaden Short is 835k with 1.71% ownership there. So very, very uh, lowly owned there. And Lockie Whitfield, very similar, 855K, a little bit more expensive, but also only 3.23% owned. So we're talking about a couple of pods here and could be someone that you uh, put in your team. So MJ, we'll talk about Lockie Whitfield first, and then we'll go to Jane Short, and then we'll probably talk a little bit about the sort of the buy thing and if we, and what our thoughts are on them. So we'll start with Lockie Whitfield being the most expensive player. So Lockie Whitfield, most people go, nah, I'm not going to start him. There's always something that goes wrong. And and you've probably got a fair case to say that, right? There's always seems to be some unfortunate thing that happens with Whitfield, whether it be a suspension, whether it be a concussion, whether it be, I don't know, he may get, maybe gets sick the day before. Like there's there's always seems to be something that goes with Whitfield. So if we like look at his games played, so from his debut season in 2013, he's only played over 20 games on four occasions out of his, I believe that's two, four, six, eight, ten. I think 11 or 12 seasons he's played in, this, in the AFL. So not great when you look at that. And he's had a lowest of 11 games. It was in 2014. And obviously his high was actually last year. Last year he played 24 games. Can you believe? That's obviously including um, when they played a couple of those finals games as well. So obviously missed a couple through suspension and a concussion. But that was actually his first time he's played that. And then last time was 2018 where he played 24 games. But he's been a great scorer. We've, we've known this. He's been a good scorer in defense. He's averaged over 90 in every season since round uh, since 2017. Um, and obviously 85.9 in the COVID year. If you obviously round that up, that's uh, well over 90 and, and closer to, I think it's actually over 100 in that uh, that year. So, yeah, he's been a very, very good scorer. And when he's been on the park, like even last year, we look at some of these scores he put up. His start of the year was was pretty quiet. He only had one big game. That was against the Western Bulldogs in round eight, where he scored a 130. Um, had a lot of 80s around there as well. A lot of people jumped on him around this time because he had that concussion game, came back a few 80s, dropped in price and came in cheap. But it was really from his buy onwards where he really 
did well. And he had a few extra weeks off, mind you, uh, with the suspension with the thing as a dangerous tackle against Fremantle. I can't remember the exact play. It might have been Bailey Banfield, if, if I remember correctly. Um, if anyone knows, let us on the comments below, actually, if, if, if I've got that correctly. Um, but, yeah, he went from round 17, he's got 81. But after that point is when he went on a bit of a tear. So he went 101, 106, 134, 77, 87, 102, 119 uh, in the remaining games. And obviously, in the finals, he also went 99, 125, and 86. So he went really well in the back half of the year. And in excess of 100, being priced at in around 94.7, so just under 95, you could be looking at five to ten points of upside if if he can go really well. So MJ, I'll go to you to ask about Jay, uh, not Jay, sure, Lockie Whitfield here. He's the one of the main guys back there. But you've also got Lockie Ash, you've got Harry Himmelberg, you've got I know guys that even like a Connor Ryden and take some take some uh, plus sixes. Sam Taylor and guys, there's a few mouths to feed back there. How do you see Whitfield's usage playing out back there? Because with a few mouths to feed back there, it might not just be all of. Um, sort of his ball back there. So just talk to me how you see that sort of playing out in 2024. I think it's only a positive thing for Lockie Whitfield. So much of the Giants here was really fumbly at the start of the year, not just for Whitfield. You mentioned some of those interruptions, that concussion that came through there. But as the year went on, they started to look like the GWS Giants of old, back to that 2017, 2018, 2019, where they made the grand final that season, where it was just that orange tsunami of run and carry, the spread and speed and goal, and ball use. And Lockie Whitfield was central for that. And in, in AFL Fantasy for us last year, only as the season went on did Whitfield start to show that dominance. So I know they've got some really nice users back there, but to me, Whitfield is clearly still the quarterback. They love the ball in his hands. So even if he's not taking those kick-ins, which he does take an okay share, it's certainly not a lion's share, but he's got an okay look at it. The fact is they want the ball in his hand to rebound outside 50, to penetrate that ball up through the wings, through the center corridor, and ultimately try to translate to scoreboard impact. So, yep, they got some good options. Whitfield's still the best, though. Yeah, and I, I fully agree. I think we, we did see a bit of an emergence of Lockie Ash last year and, and looked quite good as well. But I think if you like opposition teams and, and Giants are still going to be looking at Whitfield and thinking he's our main guy back there. He's obviously still got a great kick. I think he's kicking. I don't know if you saw MJ last year. It's the first half of the year. That, uh, I remember hearing comments in the commentary like David King and a few other guys would say like Whitfield's not looking the same. His kicking's not as penetrating as what it was. He, he's missing a few targets. Whereas that back half of the year, he seemed to really sort of up that and really hit a lot more targets, even get forward and sort of take maybe two or three like plus sixes in a chain and transition. So um, I don't have the exact stat. Jaden, if you're watching, mate, if you want to put in the comments below, I'll even put a tweet out saying what Whitfield's transitional points were in the back half of the year. I'd be interested to see what those numbers are, but he really did up that. So um, that would be sort of very, very interesting to see how he goes in 2024. But if you put a number on MJ, what do you what do you see him averaging? Obviously, being priced at 95, we could be getting a bit of value here. With a few mass of feed, do you think he goes under 95 where he's priced at? Do you think that he's maybe goes around that 100, 105 mark? Where do you, where else do you see his um average landing? Obviously, before we've seen any preseason action. Look, I'd probably say he's a 95 with a five points of deviation either side uh, along that. I'm not too sure that you mentioned some of those mouths to feed component, but also I think just the way I think that. GWS expect that midfield core to dominate the game even more. I think 95 is about as, as low as he goes. 90 would be a disaster in my eyes. Um, and certainly, as you mentioned at the top of the episode, historically, he just doesn't drop under that in this role. I think 100 yeah. is definitely within him. But if he dominates the games like 
he did at the back half of the year. Opposition teams looking to stop the rebounding defender, which Whitfield is, because Ash is the run and carry guy. Whitfield is run and carry and elite decision making by foot and by hand. So if you're going to stop any rebounder out of the Giants, it's probably him. And so I think that might just mean those dominant 130 games, he'll give us a couple. Probably might just mean we get some 70 basement games due to a tag. So yeah, I'd say 95 is about right with five points either way, with 100 probably being the peak of what he'll hit. Yeah, I've pretty much got him exact same as well. I've got him about that 97, 98, so roughly right in the middle there. And as you say, if he gets a 90, it's not, unfortunately, not the pick you're after. But if he can go 97, 90, I think it's a, a decent pick. And we'll obviously unpack the buys uh, in a sec as well. But if you look at his, his early run as well, and people probably know this as well, Giants have got a very nice early run. Obviously, Tom Green, uh, we spoke about that with uh, – other fantasy fanatic Tim. Um, if you haven't checked the episode, make sure you're doing the other episodes that we've got up there. But uh, Whitfield plays Collingwood in opening round. So again, we get a look, we get to see what he looks like. Then he's got North Melbourne and West Coast, right? Those two, he's got the bye, Gold Coast, and then St Kilda. So a very, very nice cushy run to start, especially for those half backers as well. So Whitfield could put some massive scores on the board early. And again, we'll probably discuss that a little bit in a sec as well when we talk about the the buys. But we'll go to Jaden Short now, MJ. So we'll go to you for uh, Jaden Short. How do you think he's going to go in 2024 and why should people be selecting him in their starting sides? Removing the buy for a second. Absolutely. If you remove the buy, just look back at the past four seasons. He's one of the most consistent 90-plus defenders going around. We've got a 92.5 with an injury-impacted game. We've got a 97.8, a 93, and another mid-90s in that COVID-affected season that the further away we get from it, the further it is to be able to use that to justify anything. But the straight up is is he's a consistently 90-plus defender scoring option for us. Even last year in a system that wasn't really highly rewarding for him, he still gave us six tons last year with a top score of 123. And he just kept finding ways to push and to push and to push into that scoring. So I look at this guy who is clearly the central rebounder. He's clearly the best user of the ball and he's now coming off four consecutive seasons of going 90-plus across the formats. Why? Because he is that run-and-carry player. He is that key distribution unit, and he's shown he's got ceiling about him. If you just look at what he did from around 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14 last year, let me read out his scores to you because, again, you highlighted that there's not a whole lot of people talking about him. Let me tell you numbers without telling you names, although the name's Jordan Short, just for argument's sake. 117, 123, 102, 113, 99, 102, 85, and 103, and a 95 just to throw into that. So ceiling, consistency, unique, which is always helpful for you if you're looking to create some separation. And something when I did an episode with Rids on him in the 50 most relevant, we've spoken about both of these players through that series, is he's got a, a really low kind of market share opportunity given the way Richmond have played under a Damian Hardwick. They weren't a highly fantasy-relevant team for us. It was the odd centre-bounce midfielder and Jaden Short off half-back. Um, but he was still in a role where he wasn't getting a lot of kick-ins. He wasn't getting a heap of transition marks due to their run, gun, and surge style of play. He was still managing to score, like I said, four years consecutively of 90-plus defending role for us. If he picks up just one or two kick-outs, Per game. 
if that game style adjusts to be the way it sounds like they're trialing and training, which is much more penetrating use of the ball and retention of the ball by foot, then all of a sudden, short at worst, is this low 90s guy. At best, he gets to where I think we've hoped he would be, which is that 105 guy. So to me, I look at that. I look at the early fixture. Again, we'll come to the buys in a second. But even just through matchups they've got rolling through, they've got Sydney, they've got St Kilda, they've got West Coast before that buy. There are some tougher matchups in there early, but three of the five games that count for us from an AFL fantasy perspective historically are some of the best matchups that we could possibly ask for for defenders. So I look at that with Jaden Short and go, consistency of 90s, got the role, he's not losing that. There's an opportunity for scoring growth just through evolution of game style, let alone if he can pick up some kick-ins. And we know that under Adam Uze, even though he was only a senior assistant coach, had his hands all over that Melbourne game style. I can see a pathway where Jaden Short, at worst, is what he is. Where at best, you've got yourself a 100 defender here. Yeah, and we and we saw glimpses of that. Um, I believe it was it wasn't last year. I think it was, was it the year before. I think when uh, they trialed him in the midfield a bit. But the start of the season he was averaging like mid hundreds, and it was just like really like mid. Sorry, one oh like ran that one oh five mark, which you speak about. And if he could do that, I think even with the buy, if he was to go and average one oh five, being got priced at eight hundred and thirty odd k, and being priced at an average of what what is it? Yeah, ninety two point five. You're getting thirteen points of upside. That's a massive swing, especially as a defender. So that's that can certainly change things if you're that bullish on him. But um, so we will take turn to the buys. But before we do, I will sort of just get our thoughts on who we pick in the battle first, removing from the buys, and then we'll talk about the buys and whether you can start them. So MJ, out of Lockie Whitford and Jaden Short, who would you be picking out of the head-to-head battle uh, to start in your side for 2024? The buy becomes a really deciding factor, so it's hard not to include it into the mix, but I'll do my best to kind of take it out because I think that probably defines for me a little bit. Um, I'll put it this way. I'm not a Nick Dacos D1 guy in AFL fantasy. Maybe we'll get to him in the 50 most relevant, but I know there's been lots of conversations uh, throughout the preseason about him, but I'm not a Nick Dacos start at D1. I understand the narrative for it. To me, I've got Tom Stewart at D1 because I feel like he's got the fixture, he's got the ceiling, he plays through those early buys, he's in at D1 for me. But if Tom got injured, I'd be going to Jaden. Jaden would be who I would put through there. I've got the most confidence with that. So for me, I'd lean to Jaden over Whitfield and not being able to mention the buys kind of makes it hard to give a full explanation of why. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. And that's why I've tried so hard because we will unpack because uh, there will be people that, I guess, uh, maybe choose between them in draft. Maybe they like to I draft Whitfield or short. So this might help them more removing the buys. But I think I've got to side the other way. I think there hasn't been many just – there hasn't been many uh, sort of split opinions on this. And, I, and it's not really split. It's because well, I know I don't think I'm going to start either personally. But I'm going Lockie Whitfield. I think that the early – fixtures uh, would really help if you especially if same in classic as well and, and draft as well could be really handy especially if you have a vc uh, on him or something like that. but i'm just signing with Jaden short um but there's i think Jaden short has got the more upside i think he's got the higher i think he can average 105 if everything goes to plan i think whitfield's probably capped at 105 um and probably more realistically probably about that low low hundreds like the 100 100 102 if everything goes right so but we will turn our attention now to the buyer discussion so the buys opening round is, is throwing the spanner in the works, and obviously there's been a lot of discussion through preseason and 
different opinions and everything like that. But these two are very fascinating because they've both got different buys, which could change strategy. You've got Whitfield's got a buy in round three, which means he only plays two games three, has a buy. And then Jane Choice has got a buy to round six. So you might be able to sort of, that might be a bit easier to navigate. So MJ, talk to me about where you sit with starting either of these guys inside. Because at the moment, Whitfield's currently sitting as my D2, but he's, I don't know if he's going to be there come round one. Um, again, 159 in round could change that. But how do you see it playing out? Is is it fee more feasible to start a premium round six that's got a buy instead of one that's got round three? How do you, let me know what your thoughts are on that. I think what uh, a player that has a buy at round six, which, which he does, it gives us more data. It gives us more looks to be able to see what's going on. So we get to know over the first 10 trades that we've made into our team or eight trades that we've made in our team up to that point, we get to know what are the mid prices doing and do we need to jump off or on certain ones? Did we get the right cows? Have we suffered a bullet early with an injury or a suspension early on? And so by moving some visibility out to round six with a Jaden short as opposed to a Whitfield because you give yourself more data to look and see. Equally, if he's firing, you're not jumping off that at all. You're flying because you know what's moving. So you're giving yourself more to consider. Whereas at round three with a with a Whitfield is you've got two bites of the cherry and then you're in decision mode. If he's delivered at 110, 110, it does feel hard to jump off that. Um, whereas if he goes an 80-80, okay, the decision's there. What you can get with a short is you can watch those few games, watch a Whitfield fly out of the gate. You can watch a Tom Stewart if you're not on him dominate, a Hayden Young if you're not going there, or a Sinclair or a Naziah Wanganine Miller. Shorts are that slightly more discounted or cheaper price point, even if he is your D1. If you nail all these options in other spots, you've got the flexibility to trade him if you want at D1. So you get to round three, you're like, oh, no. Short's only going 90, 95, 85. Got to jump off that. You can. You can make those easy yeah. moves. Uh, if a Kitty Coleman's firing, you can make that move really easy. So for me, I'm always big on the correctional trades early, set up your season, and with short, you're not telegraphing a potential forced trade early in the year. As good as that matchup is for, for Lockie Whitfield, I look at short and go, I give myself more time to consider. I give myself a comparable scorer at a slightly discounted price. I put all those elements together. And, and for me, that's why I land on short. Yeah, yeah. And and even just saying that now makes me almost think, do I go short over Whitfield in the in the pick? But I'll stick by my decision. But uh it's it is interesting because the round three is only you only get two games of data. So Whitfield goes a couple of nineties, you go, was that just match up with like but and he's got easy matchups. So do you go or do I keep him? Do I trade him? You don't know. Whereas as you say, Jaden Short, you've got that more data. You can go, if he puts up good scores and, and is a 105, 100 to 105 guy, you're like, great, I'll bench him for a week. Maybe some people got a like Dan Curtin on the bench or or someone like that that can come on and, and cover for a week. But if he's getting these 80s, 90s, you can just sideways him to to a uh, Nick Dacos. Nick Dacos got the buy in round five. You can just go get Dacos in round six. I know he's got Port Adelaide, not the best matchup, but you're going to want Dacos in your team at some point. That could be the avenue. Maybe you go to a Tom Stewart. Maybe you go to a Jack Sinclair. If he's maybe dipped in price, maybe Sicily's dipped in price. You, you get that landscape of the defence. And I think that the talk with the buyers and you can't start friends, I think it's you don't start midfielders, I think, over 950k. I think I think we can, or no, no, probably 900k. I think a lot of people like that's midfield. That's where you score the most points. You can start. There's plenty of good options don't have, that don't have buys at all. And there's only a few that of those midfields. But I think forward and defenders, I think it's a little bit different just because there aren't as many options. So 
it is a very good point you raised there with Jaden Shaw. And uh, yeah, certainly uh, he's been on the watch list, but he might raise a few spots on the watch list after hearing some of this discussion here. So, um, but uh, that's been a great episode of the Head to Head. Let us know in the comment section below if you guys are starting either Lockie Whitford or Jaden Shaw, regardless of uh, the buys, or if you're taking the buys on account, you're starting them anyway. Let us know in the comments below and any other general questions, put it in the uh, there as well. Make sure to leave a like on the video as well and subscribe to the channel. If you can get 50 likes on the video, that'd be very much appreciated. It'd be fantastic if you reach that milestone yeah, as we head toward 2,000 subscribers. Um, we're nearing 1,500, but that'd, that'd be the first goal. But then 2,000 by the end of the season would be fantastic. But MJ, mate, thank you very much for jumping on uh, this episode of AFL Fantasy Head to Head. Where can the people find uh, you on the socials as well? And then where can also people find the coaches panel on the podcast, on YouTube? And then also you want to touch on the uh, Patreon as well. So a few things to touch on, but far away, the red cup is yours. Yeah, happy to. You can find me on Instagram or exit just at MJWant is where you can find me personally. But the coaches panel, and there's a, a group of incredible content creators that I get to be a part of on X, on Instagram, on Facebook. Just simply search for at coaches panel. You'll be able to find us there throughout YouTube. They are broadcasting and dropping every single day new videos, whether it be the 50 most relevant or a bunch of strategy episodes. And then wherever you find your podcast, just simply search for the coaches panel. You can find that again, daily podcast dropping every single day in the preseason. And if you have loved um, either what you've just heard over these past few minutes, hi, nice to meet you if I've never met you before, or if you're a regular part of what we've done over the past few years with the 50 most relevant, the midweek roundtable strategy episodes. Our Patreon, uh, all the details for that is just patreon.com forward slash coaches panel. Tiers from as little as $2 a month, right up to the $10 a month, a heap of rewards from Keeper League podcasts. You get round uh, table discussions, in-season review episodes, hidden access to a bunch of other groups, strategies, videos, and articles, heap of stuff through there, uh, and all of the Coaches Panel boys jumping in. So we'd love you to jump in on that if you can, but definitely jump in and support Bales. He's doing a great job with these head-to-heads as well. So please make sure if you haven't subscribed to this channel, do that. It makes a huge difference. And, uh, you know, kick him a coffee or a beer if you can as well. Thanks, mate. Very much appreciate it. But, yeah, now get around the Patreon for the coach panel, guys, because, yeah, do a lot of hard work over there. And at the end of the day, it does help them out a lot. So, yeah, make sure you get involved as well. And go to the top tier. Go to the top tier. Um, but if you can only do a little one, that's fine. Just get involved. It'd be great. But uh, you can find me at BalsDT uh, on Twitter slash X and Instagram. Uh, and, yeah, make sure also if you're listening to this as a podcast, if uh, please leave us a five-star rating and review. That'd be very much appreciated. We might read some out before the season starts as well if we get some reviews there. We've, we've got, I think, four reviews there. Um, so we haven't had any this preseason. So if you are watching right now, yes, you, um, if you can just leave us a review and rating, it takes not even 30 seconds. Well, it takes 30 seconds to a minute. We just very much appreciate But if not, we just appreciate everyone that's tuned into the episodes. But in the next episode, we have another special guest continuing the theme on, and it'll be another couple of players uh, with a certain... Um, Keeper League specific um, person, but he also dabbles a bit in classic with jumping on the pod. And we're chatting about a couple of uh, pre midfielders that probably haven't gotten as, as much chat in the preseason as possible, uh, as much as what other options have had. But it'd be very interesting to discuss them and see if we can consider them as options in 2024. But until that episode, we're out and we'll catch you in the next one. So we're out. Cheers.